we we try to take that ambiguity out of it, right? So it's like if a regulator now walks in and you know we've had we've got so many of these stories where someone you know regulator is like, oh, we use Simplify, they pull the report, they're like, ah, okay. <laughs> so it's just like there's now a certain level of standard that mm-hmm. at least for people that know about Simplify, you know, it, it brings to bear. Um, so and I think that's why for us getting into the government sides also equally as important because if the actual regulator, you know, who might not be a lawyer and who might not be able to understand what the regulation is actually saying is going in to do enforcement, I think having both the operator and the government working off the same checklist makes it very, very simple and straightforward. This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid, and we're gonna take you on a journey a journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back, consume your favorite cannabis products, and get cozy cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording another episode of the show. Today we have Marian Mariathason. He is the co-founder and CEO of Simplifya, joining us here from Denver, Colorado. Simplifya is the leading regulatory and compliance software platform serving the cannabis industry. Marian is a serial entrepreneur working with over a dozen startups as well as an investor in 22 domestic and international companies. We spoke with Simplify a team over three years ago, so it's super exciting to have Marion on the show to tell us a little bit more about Simplify's growth and more about the importance of compliance. With that, welcome, Marion. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. You know, thanks for joining us. And it's always fun to speak with another Denver-based company just right down the road from us. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always fun uh, to have somebody right in your backyard. So uh, we're stoked to learn a little bit more about Simplify uh, and kind of more about your passions. And, and let's just kind of dive into that now. You know, let's learn more about how, you know, you got your start in the cannabis industry. Yeah. So, you know, I, <laughs> I come from um, a varying background, but uh, primarily tech and I had the, you know, the fortunate, I guess, uh, friendship with the guys over at Vicente Cedarberg. So Christian, Brian, Josh, uh, even, um, you know, a few more of the others over there. But, um, you know, this is back in 2015 when cannabis was really kind of blossoming and ran into Christian. And I had just sold my previous company and was trying to see what I wanted to do next. And uh, that's kind of really where the the entrance or starting point was for me and a few conversations in uh, Christian said that, you know, Jordan and, and Brian and the team at Vicente Cedarberg had an idea for a compliance uh, company. And, you know, I think they had the, the foresight to realize that cannabis wasn't just going to be in Colorado or California and in a few States, it was going to be a national movement and then ultimately international. And so I think they were smart to try and figure out a way to, uh, create a business that can scale. And that's where I came into the picture. And, uh, you know, we spoke about the concept, which was to become Simplify. And I was one of the first investors alongside the partners. And, you know, five years later this month, here we are just, uh, <laughs> you know, growing in, in leaps and bounds and into different areas. 
it's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting too to kind of watch a company evolve, especially with the market and and uh, even us just kind of seeing Simplify kind of throughout the years. Really impressed, and it is almost like you guys are kind of on the bleeding edge, and and you almost have to be with with everything that's changing, and to also be a solution provider for the industry. You kind of have to be ahead of the curve a bit and have you know that foresight of that you know it's not as going to be Colorado and that. Even six years ago, I remember talking to people about federal legalization, and and even then we were still yeah. worried that like the current, you know, the current market might just get shut down. The Colorado, you know, people were still worried that the feds might come in and raid places, and uh, so that's still just good on you guys to to have a very calm approach about uh, the future and and to kind of strive to to put this together. Yeah, thanks. You know, it, I, I think it was it was something that we saw was going to be a necessity. You know, and. I think compliance in a highly regulated industry is not just uh, a nice to have. I think it's a must have, right? And, and so we were trying to create uh, a solution that was not only going to be cost effective, but uh, you know makes uh, the operators' jobs much easier. So that can scale and, and and streamline everything. And you know, back from back then to where it is now, there's you know the new term of multi-state operators, right? And as companies start to gobble up others and as they go to multiple states, the complexities of that just gets uh, tougher and tougher. And so I think that's really where the value of what Simplify brings to bear um, has been recognized, really. Yeah. And so let's just dive into that a little bit more. So for those who don't really know what uh, Simplify is, explain a little bit more about your offerings and what makes it different from other compliance softwares. Yeah, so um, you know, Simplify, we built this from ground up, the technology. So uh, instead of borrowing something off the shelf and trying to make it fit the cannabis industry, which is constantly evolving, as you both know quite well, um, we took a more from bottom up approach. And so, you know, getting feedback from operators, whether they're you know single license operators or you know ones with bigger footprint. Uh, so really catering and building to their needs. That's really where we started. So we have four different products as of today. One's called the core platform, which is a self-audit tool. Um, essentially, we've now ingested over 15 million lines of regulations. Um, you know, Simplify at the end of the day is a rec tech company. So there's a lot of lawyers and policy people and then a bunch of engineers and then uh, you know, a few marketing people. So it's not the sexiest thing in the industry, but it, as we've kind of established earlier, it's it's a need. And so what the RA team, the regulatory affairs team does is they ingest all these regs from A to Z. As the name of the company implies, they simplify it down to a 12th grade reading level and convert them into yes or no audit questions. And so essentially we have a tablet app, web app, and a mobile app. And say if you are an operator in Denver County in Colorado, you go put in your license number and the system knows that you have a medical and recreational license and you're located in Denver, Colorado. And so it, it pulls together state and local regs and now you can go off and do your audit. So you can go and self-audit your facility. At the end of that audit, it spits out a report saying, here's where you're compliant, here's where you're not compliant. And in those areas of non-compliance, we take it one step further and give you remediation tasks on how to fix those areas of non-compliance. And then, of course, you know, compliance is really about historical data and, you know, time stamping and date stamping and whoever is doing all this work. So it's about um, keeping track of everything that's happened. Right. And so the system does all that for you. And then within the core product, there's also what we call SOP bundles. So we 
once again, extrapolate from the regulations, state and local, and, and provide you with standard operating procedures that you can take and add your own, you know, kind of SOPs for your business. And then the last thing we have within that core product is what we call a smart cabinet. It's a cheat sheet that tells you all the things that you have to update, keep updated, applications that you have to stay on top of, uh, and so forth. And so that's the core product. And then we have what's called Simplify Verified. It's a licensed monitoring tool that right now uh, insurance companies use as a way to make sure that you know they are insuring or working with companies that are have a valid license. Pretty straightforward tool. And then we have what's called a, it's a new product called Simplify a Market Guide. It's a it's a summary of all the most important part of the regs that anyone working within the industry should know about. Um, so, you know, if you look at Colorado, it'll tell you the number of licenses there are, the the kind of the, the regulatory framework in which those licenses are issued. And so it, it's kind of a high level, easy to digest versus what the compliance, the core tool does, which is all the regs as they're stated. Um, and then, you know, we also have, we're launching our payments and commerce and loyalty platform. And so, and we've got a government product as well. We just launched and we are now being utilized in, I think 40 different municipalities in California by regulators that want to enforce, um, you know, cannabis uh, regulations. So <laughs> there's a lot going on, but where we initially started was um, serving the license operator. No, let's kind of unpack that because it's really incredible how, um, you know, it, you know, simplify. I love your name, by the way. And what you guys have done is kind of help to simplify a lot of these other like ancillary aspects of this whole business. You know, I like where you guys started and and certainly having worked in the industry, I can see where that's a huge need. And I mean, I only worked in Colorado. And so I can imagine these <laughs> multi-state operators that have, you know, it sounds like you guys are doing it by jurisdiction, even down to the county level. And to have that kind of right. like granular detail and, you know, states and counties and municipalities and, and, you know, across the United States, that's pretty incredible. I mean, to, to have that all under one roof, but it's also, like you said, it's a necessity, especially these states or these companies, you know, try to go to multiple states. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money that you're going to invest in just, you know, having compliance people on the ground um, versus having a software that helps at least let you know that, am I even in the right area? Am I even in, heading in the right direction? You know, what do I even need to be looking for? Yeah. And, and to your point there, it's, you know, a lot of our clients are big multi-state operators. And even though they have large compliance teams within these op operations, they still need a tool like Simplify because you just, you know, you can't stay on top of all the ever-changing rules and regs. It's just virtually impossible unless you're a business like ours that only focuses on that. So even if you take the core product or even the license verification or the government tool or the market guide, they all stay very true to our core competency, and that's around the compliance and regulatory side of things, right? And so, yeah, we've uh, we found a nice little niche, and uh, we've been playing in it for a while now, <laughs> ever since finding it. I can only imagine what your database looks like. You guys have, like, compiled so much data over the years. That's so cool. Um, but I also like yeah. that you said that you're keeping it to like a 12th grade level and like trying to make it simple because uh, I've never yeah. read this type of stuff before. But I know from Jared, he's like this. It took me, you know, days and to really unpack it all. And it's very technical. So I like that you made it simple yeah. for people as well as the audit feature. Like that's really cool that they can just go through their facility and do a quick audit and know exactly where they stand uh, versus, you know, having somebody come in and being like, well, you're not compliant in these things, these different things, and you're not even aware of it. Right. So I think that's a very cool feature. Well, thank you. You know, it's, 
it's it's work that I think oftentimes our regulatory affairs team, you know, it's 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 a thankless job because, you know, it, oftentimes even when a new regulation is published, like for example, Colorado, we know that they're going to be working day and night at the end of this year because a lot of the new regs come out, and you know, oftentimes even if there's a gray area, they can they'll call up the you know the, the person that wrote the actual regulations say like, can you clarify this for us? And when and if possible, we will even provide clarification that we've gotten from the actual regulator. And then we also attach a citation number to it. I mean, so it's a lot that goes into it. And which is probably the reason that, you know, five years in, you know, we're pretty well unchallenged in terms of the depth and breadth of what we do. Because it, you know, we just closed another round. We raised 15 million in, and we've been around for five years, and it, it, it's it really is a lot of gruesome and <laughs> unexciting work, but it's 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 a must. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of my points of you know of Lucy talking here when I when I first got hired at the job I was working at. The first two weeks were spent to doing nothing but reading the EMD rules, and at the time I had a yeah. job for Metric Two, and I really dove into Metric and just to try to understand you know basically the the playbook and like what we could and couldn't do and. And as they expanded on the rules every year, like you said, you know, they'd either be coming out in January or sometimes in July. And uh, a yeah. lot of those rules, you know, you could interpret it like you're interpreting, you know, shades of gray. Um, there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. So I love that you guys have that, you know, unbiased, like third party angle on this, where you can work with the regulators who wrote it, work with your team of lawyers, and then work with the operators on the other end uh, to say, you know, this is how, you know, we should all be interpreting this together. Because, uh, you know, five years ago, I could say there was multiple ways to interpret it. And people would be like, well, it really comes yeah. down to your inspector and how they're going to do stuff. And I'm, yes. and I'm looking at this of like, how does that even make sense? You know, like I used to be a referee and like <laughs> the rules are the rules. And so um, I, I like that you guys have taken out a lot of this guesswork and a lot of, you know, the, the, the gray in between and just made it, you know, what it is. And and I could see why, you know, you guys are uncontested in the space. You guys like I said at the very beginning of this, you really have your best foot forward and you're constantly staying in front of this stuff, not waiting uh, for the market to come say, do this for us. You're really just like, here's this new product for the market to help you know, either the government or insurance companies or uh, operators and stakeholders. It's like you guys are really working for the cannabis companies. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. You know, even when we've had conversations with the MED and other regulators and so forth and you know, everyone wants everyone to succeed here, right? Even government side, they're like, hey, as long as everyone plays by the rules, that's all we want. So when you had all this gray area early on where, you know, regulations can be interpreted or, you know, in one way or the other, we we try to take that ambiguity out of it, right? So it's like if a regulator now walks in and, you know, we've had we've got so many of these stories where, Someone, you know, regulators like, oh, we use Simplify. They pull the report. They're like, ah, okay. <laughs> so it's just like there's now a certain level of standard that, mm -hmm. at least for people that know about Simplify, you know, it, it brings to bear. Um, so, and I think that's why for us getting into the government side is also equally as important because if the actual regulator, you know, who might not be a lawyer and who might not be able to understand what the regulation is actually saying is going in to do enforcement, I think having both the operator and the government working off the same checklist makes it very, very simple and straightforward, right? And mm -hmm. and so, which is why when we have this opportunity to get into the government side, 
we were super excited and, you know, we just uh, had that kind of quote unquote deal done uh, about a month ago. And so we hope to be expanding rather quickly into that area as well. Yeah. You know, speaking of, you know, government, another hot topic in cannabis and Congress right now is banking. Uh, and since the inception yeah. of the legal industry, you know, banking has always been a major issue. Uh, but I'm curious, though, you know, I know I know you guys have announced some new things and, and are kind of heading in that direction. You want to, you know, tell us a little bit more about maybe some of these solutions you guys are putting together for stakeholders? Yeah, so on the banking side, uh, you know, we have, so we've spoken to quite a few, um, you know, financial institutions that are already banking cannabis. And the thing that they're most concerned about are the FinCEN guidance and the coal memo priorities, right? And so are their operators abiding by those? Um, are they going to be in any sort of trouble if, you know, if their operator is not, uh, you know, conforming to these things? And so we actually have what we call Simplify Light, which is a, a new product that's still in alpha. But essentially what it does is if an operator is using Simplify it, and the financial institutions also part of our kind of platform and, and ecosystem, you know, whether it's once a quarter, they're able to send their audit reports into the financial institution. And that Simplify Light audit report highlights the areas that the, the financial inst institution is most concerned about and basically eliminates that risk. So when the financial institutions auditors walk in, again, they can say, oh, here you go. Here's that audit report that you're looking for, or they can send it via digital. But point being, that's that's where we're trying to bring value into that area and, and bridge the gap. And, you know, obviously with safe banking and all these things that's going on, it's this is a lot of movement, as you both can appreciate, <laughs> yeah. all across the industry. And so we're just trying to do our part to, you know, basically mitigate risk. I mean, that's what compliance really is, right? For all parties, whether it's the operator, the financial institutions, government, you know, any ancillary company, it's like, that's what we survive to do. And that's to mitigate risk. And that's where we focus on, um, you know, we have new products and we're constantly innovating our existing products and trying to add value. And so that's where the days and months and years go by and simplify <laughs> and just focusing on those types of things. That's funny. So like, in your opinion, what do you think should change for cannabis companies to make baking easier? Do you think like federal legalization is the answer or what is your insight there? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. You know, I, it's one that I, I don't ever give a direct answer to, and primarily just because I think there's lots of different thoughts around that. Obviously, I, I think you know a lot of people want federal legalization, and, but with that comes other challenges as well, right? Um, because even with federal legalization comes to bear, I think then for the people that have to adhere to so many regulations on a local and state level, now you got federal on top of that, right? So. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's it could be a win-win either way. But for right now, I think, uh, you know, the banking side of safe banking in past, that's certainly going to be helpful. Um, as long as we have some path forward to legalization, um, you know, I stay neutral to that. But, you know, I, I think overall, this industry has proven that it can operate within the, you know, guidelines of what's been set for the most part. Um, and, you know, tax dollars to job creation, all these things are all favorable things that I think most Americans now realize are good, right? And uh, yep. so I think it's a, it's a good industry. Yeah, I think that makes sense. One big you know theme that I'm kind of realizing is kind of percolating here is the fact that 
you know, as these, you know, the industry keeps progressing, it's almost like you guys are still there. You know, the one piece that I didn't, wasn't really aware of was your, your verification tool for insurance companies. And I remember, you know, uh, three years ago, insurance really wasn't even so much of a thing for uh, cannabis companies. It was just really hard to get insurance or there was, you know, the, the so-called cannabis tax to these things where uh, they were just really overpriced yeah. just because people didn't understand it. But I feel like what you guys are doing with your platform is providing providing something for these companies outside of cannabis that maybe aren't so familiar with it uh, to at least approach. And, and you're making cannabis right. more approachable to insurance companies, to banks, to financial institutions, to regulators. And I, you know, I have to say, you know, don't you think that's making cannabis more palatable in general to the general population and, and trying to, it's really, you know, helping to change this stigma at almost like a corporate level. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's why we feel, you know, get the energy and feel happy about what we do because to your point, even, even around insurance, it's, you know, the premiums are so high. Most people don't want to play because it's, it's cannabis, right? It's still mm -hmm. like, like, you know, federally backed banks. They, they're still like, Oh my gosh, it's cannabis. And I think the stigma has started to kind of uh, go away over the last few years, but there is still quite a bit of, um, I think fear factor when it comes to, uh, companies that can support the industry to get to the next level. Uh, you know, for example, like Cone Resnick is a, one of the big 10 accounting firms and we work with them closely. And, you know, a lot of the other guys haven't come in yet, just primarily because it's cannabis again, right? So mm -hmm. that's, it, it is, it's a very fair point that you say um, in trying to remove the stigma because we, again, it's about mitigating the risk for anyone that's coming into play. If you look at investors, I'm an angel investor, but we're talking about institutional, you know, Simplify has now been approached by, I can't tell you how many private equity, like massive global private equity firms, yeah. all of a sudden they're like, oh, what you're doing is quite fascinating. <laughs> Are you looking to sell? No, we're not, right? <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, it, it is, it's certainly opening eyes and, and reducing that risk that I think most people saw five, six, seven, eight years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit. I know we're still on the topic of regulations. And with that, I know for me, at least personally, social media is a big factor in what we do daily, daily with interacting with cannabis companies online. And I know that there's a lot of restrictions, especially for marketing online for these companies. Uh, we saw that you are a board member for LeafWire, which is the largest social media network. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so LeafWire is a, is a really cool company. I got involved um, very early on uh, as a board member and investor. And the concept was, again, pretty straightforward, you know, because I think you with social media like LinkedIn and Facebook and there's so much restriction and red tape for companies that are looking to get the word out or market their brand or their product or their themselves. And so... Uh, Peter and team over at Leaf are like, hey, I think this is a great opportunity for us to create something that where cannabis people don't have to feel awkward to go and, you know, yeah. talk about cannabis, right? <laughs> and so very quickly, I've been very impressed with what Peter and Mark have done. It's a, it's a small team uh, with a small engineering group, and now they have all of a sudden the largest cannabis network, right? And and I think it just gives a voice to the people within the industry that want to network, that want to look for jobs, that want to talk about, hey, here's my new brand. And what's cool about them is that they actually have some pretty cool, surprising stuff coming out, some of their new features that's going to get into the conference world and, and ticketing and all these other things that they have a very compelling audience right now. And I think they can 
really, you know, sway things in whatever direction they want. So you see a lot of advertising that's going on now and it, it's, it's a very engaged audience. So it's, I've been very impressed and happy with the growth of that company. And I think, uh, you know, they're going to continue to grow and, and we'll see where it goes. But, um, you know, the, the traditional, there's so many non-cannabis or the more quote unquote traditional businesses now that are looking and buying and stuff. And I think LeafWire has already been looked at by a few non-cannabis groups. And so who knows how long they'll <laughs> last before getting gobbled up. <laughs> so far, they're good. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, I love a good success story, and especially in the area of you know social media and and making expansions there. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's kind yeah. of like let's kind of shake some of the stuff up a bit though, and and uh, you know I I hear, hear you referencing kind of your tech background a bit, and and I know you're a serial entrepreneur and stuff. And um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about you know uh, what are some big takeaways. You know you're you're a pretty seasoned individual, and uh, so is there a lot of similarities you're seeing with cannabis and tech. Or um, you know, maybe the direction the industry is heading. Do you see technology playing a big part in, in you know, the reemergence of cannabis? Well, thanks for saying season. That you know, <laughs> I think it's a very relative term. I, I'm just happened to be a guy that uh, you know who's worked hard and had some luck on my side. But um, I, I think technology does play a, a very critical role, right? I, as, as with most industries, as it matures. Uh, technology plays a key role in creating efficiencies. Um, and I think that's exactly what's happening in cannabis. Um, I mean, even from day one, you know, there's been technology players, but I, I think the industry's matured enough to now, for the most part, it's still maturing, but for the most part, we know what the needs are and, and you know, in terms of every type of company, whether it's an operator or a financial institution or POS or whatever the case may be, we all know what it's going to take to make this industry run uh, in like a well-greased machine. And for that to continue to happen, it's just like anywhere else, any other industry, and that involves uh, tech technology, right? And, and so, which is why I think you're seeing a lot more kind of people from Amazon, Google, Facebook, you know, these bigger companies that we hear about, the traditional sense jumping into the industry because I think everyone wants to now be a part of it and wants to lend a you know helping hand to take it to the next level and and which is great to see. Um, but from an from an entrepreneurial investor perspective, I you know the last six years that I've been involved in this industry, it's just changed so dramatically as you both can appreciate, <laughs> and it's and it's changing for the better, right? And I and I suspect it'll continue to go in that direction and we'll have to kind of see. So playing off that a little bit, you know, what, what type of mindset does it take to be, you know, somebody like yourself who is a serial entrepreneur, like you've invested in over 22 companies. I know just speaking for me and Jared, like we've started like a few companies like, <laughs> and it's like so it's much lot. mind space. And so what would be some good advice for somebody maybe looking to be a, you know, an entrepreneur in the cannabis space? Like what does it really take? Well, I think, you know, the thing I always tell people is you have to have thick skin, right? In, in that you have to be able to learn the word no from <laughs> others. And, you know, as they keep saying it and you just had to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go on to the next person, right? Uh, you know, I, I call it, you know, it's passion, you know, persistence and patience. Um, I think it takes all three of those to be an entrepreneur and, and um, cannabis is like, no, no different than anyone else. And uh, 
So I, I just think oftentimes, you know, what's your motivation to be an entrepreneur? Um, you know, that plays into it as well. Um, but for me, I just, you know, when I did the corporate gig, it was very boring, right? Because it's <laughs> like, here's what you're going to do and you just kind of do it. Versus for me, I'm just very inquisitive and I like to solve problems. So I found myself even in corporate America, just trying to veer into other people's stuff, trying to just figure out what they're doing and <laughs> if I can help. And and so being an entrepreneur feeds that kind of need uh, because, you know, you're wearing so many different hats. Again, you two are entrepreneurs, so you know that, right? So my first company, I was not only the lawyer, but I was the engineer. I was the marketing guy. I was the janitor. I mean, it, it just, you know, I, I did everything. And, and I think that's what uh, true entrepreneurship it's about. And so I think that's what it is, right? It's just what's driving you to do it. And and do you have the thick skin to see it through? Because, you know, fortunately, my first company was a success. My second company, I was still, uh, you know, right out of college. It was a failure. And and um, my personality is such that I don't think I get down, but I think I was kind of down for about a year. Yeah. I can, until I can pick myself up. And so it really is a, it's a mind game, right? It, yeah. It's it can really beat you down or it can just pump you right back up. And I think entrepreneurs chase those highs a lot. So it's like, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up. And um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> a lot of great wisdom there too. And you know, it's, it's good. It's easy to look back and, you know, and say this stuff. And it's another thing to, you know, just believe it and have that resilience and to follow through with it and end up, you know, um, 20 years down the road and have some really successful companies. So if you're listening out there, you know, persistence, patience, and, and a passion. That's, that's, uh, that's the mixture right there. That's the recipe. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you one other piece. One of my companies that was to be a failure, this is a long time ago, years ago, you know, in the back of your mind, when you believe in something so much, you're just like, oh my gosh, like, I just got one more shot at it. One more shot, right? It's almost like gambling. You almost get addicted to your, <laughs> what you're trying to do. And the crazy part about this story, that company literally was in its last few hundred dollars. And an article came out and it literally changed the course of that company to where, you know, this extremely wealthy guy reached out and said, hey, I like this concept. I want to buy it from you. Hmm. And within a month and a half later, the company was sold. And, you know, that's, again, that's where like the gambling thing in your head, because it's like, Oh my gosh, I believe in this. I know this, you know, regardless of what it, the product is, or the company is like, you know, you believe in it so much and you keep thinking like there's one more, maybe turn it might, things <laughs> might turn around. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Right. And that's like going back to the company of mine that failed. And I kept thinking that it would turn around and it just never did. And so I think it's also understanding when to kind of sometimes pull the plug, but also sometimes just, um, uh, pushing forward. And I think this is where the luck part comes into play. You can give your company and which is typically like your baby, everything you have, but uh, sometimes it just doesn't flourish. But do. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What a cool story though, to kind of help you, especially like motivate you. I think those are like few and far between of stories like that. And they're always like the most inspirational to Lucy and I too, just cause it's like that, that is what it takes. You know, you got to like see it through and believe in it and keep holding on until something happens. But at the same time, you know, you kept moving on and, you know, have other ventures. And, you know, I'm sure it's probably a little bit different now. It sounds like maybe, you know, it sounds like you're investing in some businesses now. And so I bet that's fun to, to kind of give back and, and to kind of see other stuff yes. kind of come to fruition. It is. It's 
probably the best part of what I do now is, you know, over the years I've been involved in, in a few different companies, but you know, as of right now, if you were to take my current ecosystem of 22 companies, I'm probably on the board of maybe four, I can't remember, but it really is the, is the best because, you know, back in the day when I was going and knocking on doors, um, you know, I didn't come from an Ivy league school. I didn't, I didn't have a big network and there was a lot of no's and yep. now to be able to turn around and, and, and give time and guidance. And it's, uh, it's, by you know an entrepreneur's dream and um obviously unfortunately can't do it as much as i'd like to because i have a three-year-old and a five-year-old but uh <laughs> I, I i still try my best and it, it's been just a lot of satisfaction in doing that that's very cool well one final question for you marion just for a little bit of insight into your personal life i know that you immigrated from sri lanka when you were nine to kansas so can you share a little bit more about, you know, that experience and how it shaped you into who you are today? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about Sri Lanka, but back in the 70s and 80s, the country went through a pretty rough civil war. And my my family, my father was, you know, kind of on the peripheral side involved in politics. And long and short, short of it was that, you know, a lot of assassination attempts and a lot of people died. I think to this day, we don't know, I think there's, no one's really given a proper count, but it's, it's a pretty large amount. Um, so we were one of the lucky few that were able to get out of the country. And wow. um, I, I just remember as an eight-year-old hiding in rice fields with bullets flying over your head, um, you know, and, and seeing dead people, children, when you come out of hiding. And so we we got out, fortunately, and uh, the U.S. government gave us uh, a political asylum, came to the U.S., and we came straight to a, straight to a small town called Emporia, Kansas. <laughs> so from a tropical island to the middle of the country, <laughs> right in that height of a snowstorm. And, and it, it was a very humbling um, childhood, I would say, just because in Sri Lanka, my parents are quite well off. Um, then we came here, and my parents were laborers all of a sudden, right? So they worked yeah. six days a week, 16, 17 hours a day, typical immigrant story to make ends meet. And their whole goal was to give my brother and I education and, and a better life. And so um, it, it was, it's an experience that I don't talk about as much, but I, I think it's made me who I am because, I, you know, even success again being relative. Um, one of the things I try and focus on is always giving back, whether it's through you know, philanthropy or helping other entrepreneurs. My soft spot are hungry children and, 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 and animals. So basically the types of creatures that don't have um, the ability to take care of themselves, right? Children and animals. And so I, I try and, um, I try and, I don't know, live life to the fullest and yet, uh, try to keep perspective on, on doing good. Yeah. So I think that's how that's, that's changed me. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful story. And I think, you know, it's great that we hear that too, because I think that uh, it speaks a lot to your resilience too. And especially with having to start companies and see those through. And uh, I mean, having to go through that as a young child, I mean, it has to be, you know, traumatic to say the least, but uh, I think it has served you well in, in the sense that you're resilient. You know, you know how to face adversity and overcome things and to keep pushing forward and, and to have to see your parents, you know, uh, you know, work hard, especially coming from, you know, the background they had and, 
And I mean, that's a lot, man. So thank you for sharing your story and, and really thank you for what you're doing to, uh, for us and being on our show and sharing your inspiration with others. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, especially is just the resilience that to take away from all of this, just resilience is huge and, and uh, you got to keep pushing forward. There's better days ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you both for having me on the show. This has been uh, a lot of fun and you guys made it very easy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Marianne, well, just one final question for you. We are the lit and lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? <laughs> Do I have to answer that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I go? Can I go on the neutral side? <laughs> yeah, you can be neither. <laughs> or both. I was going to say I'm, I'm both. Both. That, okay. me, that seems to be more of a political way or diplomatic way of doing it. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> All right, you guys. With that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Later. <laughs>